Ding-dongs. Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she spends $1,000 a week on energy drinks and body spray. It's my sister, Marissa. Yeah, I mean, if you count lube in that equation, it's actually more like $1,500. <laughs> that was... Is that, is TMI? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them is also a lube, so, you yes, know. Yes, exactly. Yes. I'm going to be saving so much money. So much money. But you have to also rob a... Uh, Three factories. A lube warehouse. Three. Oh, <laughs> so four. Right. So four. Four, four factories. <laughs> when it was just two factories, that was okay. That but. was okay. <laughs> Three is pushing it. Welcome back to the Good Play Ding Dongs. We really enjoyed this week's episode. But before we get to our recap, a little bit of housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, if you can, please rate and review us on iTunes. That would be lovely. Get you some good place points. Uh, and you can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, at The Good Play Pod. Marissa runs like live tweets of every episode each week. And you can email us at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. I don't think I have very many emails this week. I just have one from the from Trifton that just says, Marissa, happy cheaty abs day. <laughs> <laughs> it should be a national holiday. Let's be real. <laughs> Every day is cheaty abs day. His, his abs like need a commemorative plaque. <laughs> <laughs> The statue of shirtless Cheaty in the park with the sprinklers on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just in bronze, you know. Yes, yes. Happy Cheaty Abs Day. <laughs> so shall we dive into the recappers or anything up front you want to talk about? Uh, no. No, I think we're good. You know, okay. you know, as we were saying, this it's nice to be doing this episode instead of thinking about the, the horror show that is real life right now. Yes. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I agree with you. So this episode was called The Ballad of Donkey Doug, and I was genuinely like, <laughs> when we found out who Donkey Doug was. Yes, me too. <laughs> Which, I- I'm, I'm just going to say it up front, because you've all either watched the episode or don't care, and that's, he's Jason's father. Which, I have some things to say about that. <laughs> oh, man. And wh- whoever the actor they got was, that guy is gifted. Yeah, they were all, the three of them... Jason, Donkey Dog, and Pillboy together was like just a trio of dum dums, and I loved it so much. It was so <laughs> they played it perfectly. So the episode begins in Chidi's office, where this is maybe my favorite thing that Janet and Eleanor have ever talked about. Eleanor is like going through her mental Rolodex of everyone she's known and what uh, what those people actually thought of her, since Janet knows everything. Very to- Tahani of her, I thought. Oh, no, she's done this before. Remember? It was yeah, like in the true. season one, episode one, I think, or maybe season one, episode two, when she asks about some guy she thought was gay or something. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Chidi comes in, says he's been fired for the Chili episode, which uh, I guess yeah. he didn't have tenure. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, the rest of... So, so Tahani and Jason and Michael are off on a quest to save Jason's dad. So they are off to Florida. 
Florida! Guys, when there were so many Florida jokes in this episode that I can't <laughs> wait. I literally, I can't wait. I will just say, when I was in the office with, you know, one of our listeners is Joel. He, he, he works with me. And uh, we were in the office when we, find, when we found out that the wannabe pipe bomber, the, the MAGA bomber, was from Florida. And he and I just went, Florida! Florida! <laughs> Florida, of course. <laughs> we, basically, we basically, like... On the news, they should just play that clip of Eleanor going, you from Florida? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So before Chidi can do anything else, he knows he has to break up with Simone. (laughs) I know. But he's right, right? And he can't lie. That's one of his founding principles is he can't lie. And he doesn't want to damn her to eternal, you know, hell. And he can't continue to date her and also keep this from her. So he knows he has to break up with her. And Eleanor says, if you can't break up with her, then just ghost her. You know, that's what I did with all of my exes. And and they all got over it. And Janet says, actually, none of your exes have ever gotten over you. And Eleanor's like, damn right, they haven't. And I was like, that is the best thing that's ever happened between Janet and Eleanor. Like, by a country mile. Have that confidence, please. Janet offers to build Chidi a virtual reality simulator so that he can test various modes of breaking up with, uh, with her. Meanwhile, Jason, Tahani, and Michael arrive at the <laughs> the Randy Macho Man Savage non-international airport in Jacksonville. <laughs> Tahani has a copy of some like celebrity rag and it mentions that, you know, it's like Tata from Tahani and, you know, poor Larry or whatever. So mm-hmm. I guess Larry's just gone, I guess. Yeah, I was like, really? Okay. I mean, I guess they kind of just, dis- they have to dispatch these other relationships but i do feel bad i mean they were gonna get married and yeah and he's very emotionally insecure and like he did pop his head in at the end of last episode right and yeah that was just never resolved it's just like i guess we just are supposed to infer that donnie's like oh actually i married this dum-dum from florida okay bye (laughs) i guess at this point jason reveals that the the father he is talking about is Donkey Doug and <laughs> Michael and yeah, Michael and Dahani are both horrified. Yeah. Can I just interject really fast here? Sure. So we've heard like Tahani says that, you know, we've all heard about Donkey Doug a lot. Right. And one of the things that the first thing that popped into my mind was, Oh, he framed Donkey Doug's girlfriend for boogie board theft. Which That's means right. that he framed his, his would-be stepmom <laughs> yeah. for boogie board theft. Ma- yeah. <laughs> so, yep. Let's just, I was like... <laughs> sit with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Just sit with that and be like, mm-hmm. This is, so that's kind of, you know, Tahani's like, what? Are you, what? She's like <laughs> in disbelief. So Jason says, you know, my dad's always getting in trouble with these get rich quick schemes. And Tahani's like, well, we can, we just can give him infinite money. And Jason's like, no, that's not going to work. So Michael says, let's get him a real profession and he can, you know, finish his electrician's training and then he'll have like an honest living. And then maybe he won't, you know, act the way he does. And uh, they call for a taxi and it's a monster truck that just (laughs) drives over another car. And the guy's like, you need help? And Jason's like, nope. And he throws their bags, like, <laughs> up in this huge, like, 50-foot arc up to the top of the monster truck. So, me, like, to me, that says, like, he's done this before. <laughs> yeah. So they get to Donkey Doug's apartment. And uh, they got an actor who looks and 
and and is able to act much like Jason, and it is very good. We've seen him before. Donkey Dog has been in a couple that's other right, episodes. That's right. That's right. You're right. But so I mean, wonder if they cast him with this in mind. That's a great... Well, they didn't cast him until season three, so I would have to say yes. I'm yeah. sure that they have the arc of season three all plotted out before yeah. they start writing. Yeah. So he thinks Michael's a cop, and he's like, you have to tell me if you're a cop, and Michael's like, no, no, I'm just a horrified man standing here at <laughs> doorstep. And Tani's like, you know, hi. Jason's like, oh, this is like, I guess this is my wife or whatever, and Donkey Dog tries to hit on her, and she's like, yeah, again, Jason is my husband, and he's like, oh, Dip, you must really love him. Like, well, <laughs> welcome to the family. He, he says, I know this is a family-friendly podcast, but he says something like rather, uh, like PG explicit, let's say, and she turns him down, and he's like, "That's the first time that line hasn't worked." And I was like, "Oh <laughs> like, my <wow>. god, yeah." <laughs> the caliber of girl he's bringing home. Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the implication. Again, let's just uh, let's sit with that <laughs> for a second. <laughs> so back in Australia, which I guess I don't know how Cheaty hasn't been asked to vacate this office yet, but whatever. The simulator is complete. Uh, Eleanor asks for, um, she says something like, hey, can you just program it with like uh, vodka and Red Bull and a futon and Jason Statham? And Janet's like, why do you humans always try to use everything for porn? And Eleanor's like, because we're disgusting. Can I also just mention really quick that uh, Janet's like little, the bing noise she does for herself is adorable. Yeah, so she can't bing in and out anymore, so she provides her own bing noise. So she's like, bing, I have an idea. And then she's like trying to leave the room, and she's like, please don't look. <laughs> yeah, she's like backing out of the door, being like, turn around. <laughs> so Chidi goes into the simulation. Simone is there. He keeps trying to break up with her. And it uh, it's not working because Chidi is so awkward. <laughs> and he just can't, he can't just like be real and serious he keeps he, at one point he pretends to be he says i'm actually rick justice he takes L, uh, michael's alias yeah in florida michael's like hey donkey dog let's get you back on this electrician's track and he says no pillboy and i have a million dollar idea and pillboy's there yay and he doesn't remember he thought he he's like i thought you were dead and jason's like i talked to you last week and he's like oh i forgot like, <laughs> yeah, it's like oh pillboy. but they're like so happy to see each other that that just sounds like a normal conversation. They're like, yes. he's like, hey man, how's it going? Like I thought you were dead. He's like, I was not stressed. It was so great. Yes. So their million dollar idea is double trouble, the world's first drink, energy drink, and body spray. And it says, do you drink it or do you spray it? You both it. So oh they they go into a they go into a Shark Tank presentation, like a canned Shark Tank presentation. Like sharks, sharks, <laughs> sharks you may want to like. My God, that this is how much do you spend on body spray and uh, energy, energy drink. drinks? Four hundred, ten hundred, and Michael's like, uh, and Tahani's face is priceless. She's just like, what have I gotten myself into? seriously? And Jason's like, oh, this is great, right? Yeah, he's like he's like taking it seriously, like they're actually on Shark Tank. It's pretty great. Oh yeah, he says I think we should bid before the other <laughs> sharks get in on it. So Chidi's like talking to Eleanor outside of the simulation, like okay, like I, I need some help here, and she says okay, pretend to be gay, and he's like, well, I'm not gay. She's like, well, pretend to be bi, and he's like, I'm not bi either, and she's like, oh, it's 2018, more gay, more guys should be bi. Get over yourselves, and so it's like 
it's well accepted canon at this point that Eleanor is bi. Yeah. So, although I think Eleanor... My, my impression of Eleanor is that she wants no labels and is not interested in being part of any communities, right? So she's not, like, going to the Pride Parade. And maybe she would think of herself as more just, like, pansexual, if she's heard that term. I don't know. Yeah. But she is obviously, and we will see later in this episode, yes. very obviously yep. bisexual. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> Chidi goes back in, and instead of... The, the, he puts in these like earbuds basically to enter it in, enter into the simulation. And Janet, the first time around, Janet had it be this like really painful tone, and now it's like smooth jazz, which is actually <laughs> pretty great. And he he just keeps trying scenarios, and and the way that it is shot and edited, and I think even the music under it, it's basically like if you remember season two, episode two. Of Eleanor being like over and over again, this is the bad place. This is the bad place. Although yeah. the, the the actual part it reminded me of was when he ke- when she keeps answering the door and it's Michael saying, "This is your soulmate." Yep, Greg, this is your soulmate. A golden retriever, this is your soulmate. Tahani, like it's the yeah. same. It's the same exact sort of um, cinematography as yeah. that sequence. Yeah, Eleanor like wargs into Simone at one point without telling, <laughs> without telling Chidi, and just like lays into him and. And she thinks it's hilarious. So the uh, Kirby Howell Baptiste has to embody in that both Eleanor and Janet in the well, same conversation. Well, it's actually like Eleanor and Eleanor pretending, Eleanor to, be pretending Janet. to be Janet. But she <laughs> okay. does such a great job of getting Eleanor's tone and then a fake Janet tone that turns back into an Eleanor tone. She does a great job. It was job. funny though. They had her. They had Eleanor calling Chidi a doink, which we've only ever heard, heard from Bad Place employees, if my memory serves. I think that was like they can't curse, but they have to. Eleanor well, they could have. Curse. They could have said like dingus or weirdo or any number of like non. Yeah, that's true. You know, it was it was just weird hearing that coming out of um, quote unquote Eleanor's mouth because that's like a very bad Janet thing to say. Yeah. So Chidi's like, okay, Eleanor, you try. So she she goes into the simulation. <laughs> this is so amazing. She goes in. And she's like, hey, girl. And it's, you know, and Simone's like, hi there, Eleanor. Like, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And then she's like laughing. And then Eleanor like puts her hand down on top of Simone's. And she goes, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah, because she's trying to, she's trying to break up with Simone. I'm not convinced she's trying to break up with Simone. But the conceit is like, you want me to do it for you? And he's like, oh, that'd be great. So she goes in and she's like, you know, Chidi loves you. And... I can see why. I mean, you are, like, smart, and you're funny, and you're gorgeous, obviously. And so, like, that's how it starts, is, like, she's complimenting her in order, like, buttering her up as a way to, like, break the news. And then it turns into, like, she's really, like, oh, I'm actually complimenting you because I think you're gorgeous (laughs) and wonderful. And then they are, like, moving towards each other, about to make out, and Chidi, like, grabs the earbuds out of her. Eleanor's ears. She's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, she's actually just getting to the good part. Has there been any... Has Eleanor... The only time we have seen Eleanor kiss anybody was the one time Chidi kissed her at the end of season two, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's funny. This show is a lot about love and soulmates and predestiny or whatever. And the amount of actual physicality in the romance department is exceedingly low. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen Eleanor have a boyfriend on Earth, but they were 
we haven't seen them really be physical. Yeah. So we cut back to Jacksonville. She talks about it a lot. She talks about like Stone Cold Steve Austin and stuff. Oh yeah, she talks about it. That's almost why it's more striking because she's obviously a horn dog, but she gets almost nothing like in the in the course of the show. Yeah. Back in Jacksonville, Donkey Doug is trying to introduce them to you know he's trying he's still doing the shark pitch basically, and Jason's like you know. Maybe this is a good idea, but you got to think long term. And Donkey Dog's like, whatever, dad. And Tahani's like, you're his dad. I love that line delivery. <laughs> Poor you're Tahani, honestly. Dad. Did she know what she was getting into no, with this? No, of she did not. That. And so Michael and Tahani and Jason are sort of like chattering amongst themselves quietly. And Tahani's like, okay, well, look, you know, there was never any harm that came out of encouraging the entrepreneurial spirit you know like my friend elon musk said and then she's like oh why such a creep why was i friends with him oh my god amazing elon musk is a creep everybody yeah he the is. end of story and then so the, so tony's like okay well all right what's your business plan like what comes next forever and he says well we gotta rob a factory tonight we gotta rob a cologne factory and an energy drink factory and then we're gonna th- put them together in a bottle and then bill boy's like oh i guess we gotta rob a bottle factory too and he's like oh dip we got our three robberies yeah we gotta do three robberies tonight oh my gosh and jason's like oh my okay can, and i actually like you know i i, I when we're done i kind of want to talk about like the father-son relationship here but like Manny Jacinto the way that he acts in this moment is like he kind of sits down he sits back on the couch and like the look on his face I don't know I, I I know that this is a really silly conceit and I know that Jason has done a lot of petty crime in his own day but I saw like a flash of just this kid who's tired of it you know what I mean I mean, he is tired of it. That's the yeah. reason that he was quitting breakdancing. Yeah. Like, he's just sort of... that. Yeah, that's a good point. He's just, like, tired of the scams and tired of the, you know, trying to bail his dad out of stuff and all that. So I thought it was really well acted, even if the rest of it is, like, kind of silly. So they, they kind of... The Soul Squad, half of the Soul Squad, kind of walks outside and Michael's like, Jason, I, I don't know if we can save your dad. And then Jason's like, okay, I have an, I have another idea. Uh, we cut back to Australia <laughs> at the French pressing Nemo cafe, which mm. like, okay. Is that Megan Amram? Maybe. <laughs> Ma'am, I'm going to need you to <laughs> think it. of a new joke about Australia. <laughs> so Chidi is like, okay, I just got to get in there and I just got to break this off. And she goes in and he, and he's like immediately flustered by the fact that they're not sitting at the same table that they were during the simulation (laughs) and that just seems to throw him off entirely and he like tries to be like oh Simone I don't know we're like moving different directions and she's like what he goes you dumped (laughs) and she like just groans and no she kind of sneers at him and 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 leaves because it was an absurd and horrible thing to say and that was the correct move he handled it really badly we see Pillboy at his job at the retirement home and he's like coaching this old woman, like how to uh, how to ideally stack her meds to give her like a pleasant high rather than an unpleasant high. And like, na- he's being really sweet about he's, it. They obvi- and she's like, "Oh, thank you, Pill Boy." <laughs> and his name tag says Pill Boy. <laughs> and he tells his manager, "Like, I gotta leave early to, earlier to do a robbery. I mean, I'm sick." <laughs> and Honey meets him and says you're not going on the job with donkey doug and 
he's like, okay, you know, you want some pills? She's like, no. <laughs> she's like, do you need any more information? He's like, do you want to give it to me? She's like, not really. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, <he's> <laughs> so like, chill. I know. Probably because he's rolling. <laughs> so, yeah. So in Chidi's office, he is worried that breaking up with Simone has caused her to go down some sort of dark path that's going to lead to the bad place. And Eleanor's like, look, Simone is an awesome lady whose world is a lot bigger than her relationship that she had with you. So, like, don't worry about it in that respect. I'm going to, like, what what does she say? Her world is bigger than your relationship? I'm going to, like, get a tattoo of that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, like, embroider that on a pillow and, like, emblazon that across, like... Yeah, maybe hire a skywriter. <laughs> yeah, just do something. I need to memorialize that in my life in some way. Yeah, but she tells Shady to, like talk to her again so that it doesn't it's it's not such a bad ending yeah and so chi goes off to do that and then eleanor uh asked janet she says she wants to go to a very particular lenny kravitz concert which for the for the uninitiated there was one lenny kravitz concert in which his pants had a pant malfunction and the crowd got to see little lenny <laughs> And so she, when she says she wants to be front row at a particular Lenny Kravitz concert, I think I know which one she's talking about. And Janet's like, okay, but when the system boots up, uh, you might see Jason in his sauna wearing a strongman costume. It's uh, it's a glitch in the system. <laughs> I mean, he's a smoke show. As yeah. we know. <laughs> so we find Jason at the warehouse where his father's going to commit this robbery and and he says like I'll help you but you have to leave P- Pillboy alone because I'm trying to save him and Donkey Duck's like ooh you got religion and shiz oh mad <laughs> respect man and then as soon as as soon as they've like worked this out the police show up and Jason's like oh no and Donkey Duck is like no 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 I am going to sacrifice myself like my father did for me and his father did for him, you know, and one day you'll do for your son. And Jason's like, I hope not. <laughs> so J- so Donkey Doug runs out towards the police and yells, Bortles, and like runs away <laughs> so that Jason can sneak out the back. Oh, it's actually Bortles. really interesting to think about, like, if you knew you were damned, what would you do? <laughs> yeah. Like, what horrible things are, are quasi-horrible? I mean, I... I think even if you knew you were damned to hell because of some stupid technicality, you wouldn't go on like a killing spree, right? You're not a monster, but you might do things you might not otherwise do, right? You, you might like, I don't know, rob, well, I don't know about robbing a bank, but you might. Well, you like, let's be clear, you wouldn't do any of this because you're like. Uh, I'm trying to think things that I would do if I knew that there was an eternal punishment reward system, and I knew that I was being punished no matter what I. did did like I'm, I'm really struggling if there was a way for me to obtain a lot of money in a way that was illegal or questionably legal but it didn't hurt any poor people <laughs> i feel like that's let, what i let would want to do let, let me just stop you right there uh no there's not a way for you to but do that if there, but there could be you there might you there might be like what if you like just like rob goldman sachs or something Right or or J.P. Morgan, if you were able to rob J.P. Morgan, would wouldn't you do it? If so you were knew you, you were damned to hell anyway. <laughs> you want to be like the kiss and Kate Barlow of like yes! the big banks? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Or 
look, look, look. I'm down oh, for oh, that. that place. No, 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 no. That place, what was it, in the Cayman Islands or, or the Seychelles? Is that how you pronounce that? Yes. Seychelles? Yes. That place in the Seychelles that all those wicked rich people put their money, that's where I would go. I would just take all the Seychelles money. I would feel 100% fine with that. So you know who does that? That's actually a plot point in the second Girl with a Dragon Tattoo book. Oh, okay. I'm never going to read those. No, you should never read them. They're very upsetting. But she basically uh, goes to the Caymans or something like very similar to that. She has a bunch of identities that she's created of like these super duper rich people. And she like takes billions of dollars, billions of Swedish kroner, but billions of dollars from, <laughs> I mean, it's basically worthless, right? <laughs> I didn't mean that, but she basically takes billions from like powerful men who are I abusing would feel their power. Actually, so great about that! It's super great. It's it's great. I love that series. So Chidi tries to break up with Simone, you know, in a humane way, and she's like, "Look, you're usually never sure about anything, so the fact that you're sure about this means, you know, okay." And I'll see you in the next life. And he's like, what? What do you know? And she's like, God, you're such a weirdo. Like, I'm like, maybe it's for the best we're breaking up. It's like, oh, poor Chidi. So Jason has told Pillboy that Tahani and Michael are uh, NASA spies, <laughs> secret <laughs> astronaut spies. And they need his help with a mission. And he can't commit any more crimes. And he has to just stay at the old folks home and help the people there. And Pillboy's like, all right, great. You know, and then... And then, you know, they have to leave. So Pillboy and Jason say goodbye and they like cry their way <laughs> through like a 45 second long secret handshake. This was the thing that made me laugh out loud. The two of them like audibly sobbing <laughs> while doing, while executing like a pitch perfect best friend, like ridiculous handshake. You maybe. and I have a handshake like that, but I don't remember the whole thing anymore. We do have a handshake like that. We haven't done it in a long time. Yeah, it's not that long either. No. Also, it doesn't end with, like, go Jaguars or whatever that is. <laughs> but just, like, saw, like crying and also be like, <laughs> and, like yeah. go Jaguars. It made me laugh so hard. <laughs> oh. So the stinger of the episode is that the Soul Squad all convenes in... What is it, Cleveland or something? No, where, where is... Budapest. Bu- Budapest, yeah. I'm thinking of where... Um, Camilla's last thing was obviously it was in Cleveland but they're in Budapest for excuse me a moment I need to uh, I need to actually find out what the what the what her exhibit is called because it's amazing ah yes it's called so you get a glance of it for a second when their plane touches down it's called Camilla colon the persistence of conception (laughs) Navy Club called it the perfect art world combination of pretension and meaninglessness yeah that I was exa- I was like, congratulations, you you just got an MFA. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so they're all in Budapest. They're gonna for some reason try to save Camilla. I'm really not clear on why they've gone here or what, yeah. what this is about. Yeah. And and, and something is basically like Eleanor is like, oh, you know, I don't, I kind of don't get to have any closure with my family since my parents are both dead. And Michael Jenner are like, yeah, about that. Actually, your mother faked her own death. And Eleanor is like, okay, uh, I got to go because I have to go kill my mom. And then that's the end of the episode. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's do general impressions first. You go, you go ahead. Yeah. I've talked long enough. No, I, I liked this episode a lot. I, I can kind of see where they're going, but I, I, I have some sort of more 
the way that I'm looking at this episode is through the prism of like the rest of the seasons. I don't know if we want to get to that right now or save that for later. Fine. Okay. So I was talking to dear friend and friend of the pod, Kate, this afternoon because she uh, and I were hanging out and uh, we were talking about this season and how it kind of has been a little bit more uneven, we think, than season two. And something that occurred to me is that like in season two, the entire conceit of the season or the end goal of the season remains the same, even if like the script gets flipped, right? So at the very beginning of the season, we have this detente between Michael and the cockroaches. And it's like, you know, Michael says, if you stick with me, I can get you into the real good place. So the goal the entire season, whether or not they're with Michael, whether or not they're with the judge, whether or not anything like that is we are trying to get into the real good place. And the end goal or what we thought was the end goal of this season, you know, so at least you had some, even if the script gets flipped, what I mean is like, there's still some consistency narratively of like what the characters are striving for, right? And in Mm -hmm. this season, I feel like, there's never, there's not been a consistent end goal laid out so far. And this episode basically flips that again, or I shouldn't say this episode flips it again, but at the end of the last episode, we got this like new goal. But for the beginning of the season, it's like, you know, the study and Chidi and the rest of the gang like can't know. And so Michael and Janet have different end goals than all of the rest of the main characters. And then, you know, then they find out that they're eternally damned and they got to go through that whole thing. And, you know, Trevor is like, you know, the end goal of the bad place employees is kind of plays into it, too. So it just feels like there's a lot of balls in the air. So now we've settled on something. But the thing that we've settled on for right now, and you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started, is so that's already like a lot of flips in the season and then the thing we've settled on right now is they're gonna go to people individually and try to like put them on a track to get into the good place which is like so unbelievably inefficient well that's my it's it's like a non-profit that like adopts one person per year to try to like (laughs) get them enough food and shelter or whatever and you're like i mean this is a good goal but you think we could scale this up a little bit Well, so that's my point is that first of all I think given, yeah, first of all, yeah, you're correct. It's incredibly, incredibly inefficient. Second of all, you know, one of the things that Kate and I talked about this afternoon was like, they're going to run out of people pretty soon for whom it is like in their lives, given who they know, you know, I would argue that Simone is probably like the closest and even she, like what we really, they didn't try to do anything with Simone though. But that's what I mean. A little bit weird. That's what I mean. Is like he's concerned about setting her on the bad path, but he doesn't do anything to like set her on a better path. And and given Eleanor's wor- you know work history and familial history, given everything we know about Jason's upbringing, and like Pillboy <laughs> is the best person that he knows, and Pillboy is like getting way, senior Pillboy. citizens high. Definitely going to the bad place. I mean, but look, the standards are so high. Okay, so that's my point. I'm I'm working up to that, but you're right. It's it's like this. The problem is that the standards are so high to get into the good place that even Simone, who, as we have said, is arguably the best human that we have met, 
is not going to make the cut. And so telling Pillboy to live a virtuous life, you know, tricking him into believing that NASA scientists like need or NASA spies <laughs> need him for saying secret Look, astronaut spies. Ma'am. I am. Yes. Sorry. I am all for trying to help people like live a better version of their life on earth, but it's never going to get Pillboy into the good place because he spent the first 27 or whatever years of his life, you know, forking up, racking and up bad points, yeah. getting high and doing petty crime. And he's never going to make it. And even Simone, who is a neuroscientist who's trying to help people, isn't going to make it because we know that from everybody else we've met and all the other conversations we've had about the bad place. So I think that the real crux of the season is going to be at some point they get to a place where they say this isn't working we have to lower the bar we have to break the system basically like the bar is that's what i've been saying since the beginning of this season right like we need revolution it's true but but that's but my my original point is the conceit of the season has changed almost every episode or the the end goal for our characters has changed almost every episode And you're supposed to feel like, okay, this is a narrative arc that I can follow, but I don't believe that it's going to stick around for that long because I can't imagine that after, I think that we're probably going to do like an episode for each person's family members and then be like, well, who else, you know, and realize that like, they're all kind of unsalvageable. And then what do we do? Well, I mean, so, you know, the only, the only person who has family members who we would have any reason to believe would be salvageable is Cheaty. Cheaty. And I would be, like, really uncomfortable <laughs> with them, like, going to Senegal and basically being yeah. like, you have to be better people of you. Like, excuse you. <laughs> like, yeah. That feels... Yeah. Especially since most of them are not black, <laughs> you know? Right. There's not a great... Michael and Janet are both white. There's not really a great precedent for people going into Africa and being like, hey, behave the way I tell you to behave. <laughs> that's true. Af- Native Africans. I'm a white person, and I am going to tell you how to behave. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not a great look. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, like, nobody in this episode was trying to tell Donkey Dog how to behave outright. But, like, you know... There still is, you know, Kate, one of Kate's things that she told me today was like, she worries that like going to people individually or this, you know, even Donkey Doug says like, oh, Dip, you religious now? Because he's like, I'm trying to save Pillboy. Right. It can veer very quickly into this like sort of proselytizing territory that I don't even think. Yeah, it's like, it's like touched by a really derpy angel. Right. Which I don't even, I don't think that Eleanor would even, as a character, would even really be comfortable with that. Right. Like, no, she wants to kill her mom, not save her. So I right. think it's going to be fine. <laughs> I would love to know why, how, why and how she faked her own death. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Which I guess we're going to split the party again. That's a D&D term, but split the party again. <laughs> some people are probably going to go try with Camilla and some people might go with Eleanor to, to talk to her mom. I don't know. But like Camilla's unsalvageable. She's totally unsalvageable. Why would we like, Why? So that's what I mean. Why? Why? And then also we're going to, the end goal is going to eventually have to change because you're right. It's completely inefficient. And we've talked a lot on this show before about how like, even as Eleanor would say, the people who suck, but in a fun, chill way, like they're never getting in. Or even the people who don't suck. Just like, I mean, someone like Simone, who's like a great person. Right. 
She didn't change the hearts and minds of a nation, so she's F. Right, exactly. And so I really do. And we also, not for nothing, haven't heard from Sean and the Bad Place for a while. So, like, I kind of wonder, like, how long are they going to be able to keep... I mean, this is... This was the marketing for season two, but how long can they keep this up? How long can they keep this up until another shoe drops? And I think that's sort of my fatigue is just like... In season two, they had, no matter what scrapes they got into or no matter how their environment changed, they had the same goal the whole time. This feels like they have different goals almost every episode. Yeah, it 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 it's kind of messier and looser and... A little harder to follow, maybe. A little harder to know what to root for. It's not clear to me that the... the So, the humans of the Soul Squad, it's not clear to me that they understand how impossible it is to get into the good place. I'm not sure that Michael and Janet actually told them that. You know, they explained the point system or whatever, but did they actually explain how few people actually get in? That's right. We know that because Eleanor found that out in like the pilot episode, but Eleanor has no memory of her time in the good place, so or the bad place, I should say. So the good bad place. The yeah. good the good bad place. So yeah, there's there might be no way for them to know that like just telling Pillboy to like straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right and like only get a little high, right? Like he's not gonna, <laughs> he's not gonna stop you know, and I thought I actually really liked seeing Pillboy at work because I was like, oh, he's actually like this. He's sweet with these people. He's good at this job, but he's still himself. He's still like, you know, he's telling her like, listen, don't take these medications with these medications because that's going to be bad for you. Right. That should be the end of it. But then he says, but if you want to, you know. (laughs) <laughs> a, a little bit of a if you want to roll a little bit here's here's what you do and she is appreciative of that and look if i'm ever in an old folks home and there's <laughs> yeah, a way you hope you have your own sweet little pill boy <laughs> you know that's the kind of person i would want i think but you know yeah just telling him to straighten up and fly right it's not gonna really make any difference so i wonder if there is gonna be a point at which you know and also Related to this, Jason, uh, sorry, not Jason, Janet and Michael wrote that manifesto. Who were they sending that to? What's up with that? They just CC'd the whole afterlife. <laughs> I mean, did they? They're fugitives. Yeah, I don't actually know. So that's what I, like, I think at some point that's going to have to come back. And that manifesto will probably have in it, like, look, getting into the good place is impossible. Right. That must be what it's about. We made a mistake. We made a mistake with this point system. It's completely impossible. And human souls can change after death. Human souls can change after death. And we are quarantining, you know, malleable human souls in like a torture, a literal torture chamber for eternity. And that's bad. We should change it. You know, I, I think as you pointed out, you have pointed out before, we're heading towards something a lot bigger than let's save individual people. I think that's too small. Yeah, and and because we know this is doomed to failure, it feels... I don't want to say it feels like marking time because I don't want to take away from what is like a really enjoyable episode and what is kind of like this tragic, I guess comic tragic, tragic comic, that's the word, (laughs) premise of like these four people who are not bad people but who are damned to hell, you know, almost in a predestined sort of way. Yeah. And what they do with that information, which is actually an interesting 
it's an interesting premise. It would almost be more interesting if it weren't impossible to get into the good place. You know, if it was like, well, 50% of people go to heaven and 50% go to hell. And so, you know, but now that you know about the system, you have to go to hell. But you can try to push the people that you love, like, up above the cutoff. Although, of course, that just pushes people that you don't know down below the cutoff. There's a bit of a pigeonhole principle at work here. Yeah. I mean, none of this is... The system itself isn't moral, right? So, like, that's part of the problem, is that, you know, even if you try to push... That's true. We don't know if there's a quota, for the good place. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Is it a fixed number of points that you have to reach above, or is it the top 1% of point getters or something? Yeah, which I think would be a little bit more political if it was the top 1%. Um, <laughs> right, well. Uh, but then it's also sort of like, uh, well, top 1% on what time scale? Like, of the year? Because <laughs> like, it would change. You know, you can, you things that you earn... First of all, some of the point-earning stuff... You know, there was something in there about, like, remaining loyal to the Cleveland Browns, which wasn't exactly a way that you could earn points in 1743, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, so more or questions if you don't, than answers. Or if you don't live in Cleveland. <laughs> like, you know. I think that you can be a Cleveland Browns fan outside of Cleveland. But I mean, like, you talked about, like, going to Senegal and saying, like, you should be better people. Like, they, you know, what do they have... A relationship. Maybe they have a hometown soccer team that you also get points And it's for. called the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, that, no, stop. <laughs> turned oh, out to be ooh. a horrible... Oh, no. no. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. <laughs> I immediately offer my apology <laughs> to everybody who has skin that's darker oh, than... We should uh, just... We should... Po- we the just podcast edit- is canceled. <laughs> Skin darker than uh, W.B. Mason office paper. <laughs> why are the Cle- do I dare I ask why the Cleveland Browns are even called the Cleveland Browns? Uh, I think you should just leave that one alone. Great, that's a good plan. Ugh. 2018. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, there were so many aspects of this episode that I really enjoyed. Like the whole Eleanor hitting on Simone thing was hilarious. Eleanor pretending to be Simone was hilarious. Donkey Doug, you know what? They got a great actor for him. Yeah. And I actually did think that, you know, having the the fact that he, so this is another thing, was the fact that he, I know he's kind of unsavable, right? But the fact that he sacrificed himself so that his son could get away. Like his father before him and his grandfather as well. Says to me that like, he does live by some moral code. He does have It's some... more of a guideline. <laughs> Um, but you know, maybe he's not completely unsalvageable, but maybe he just sort of lives by his own. He seems to suck in a more or less fun, fun chill, chill way. way. I think he and Eleanor would have really gotten along. It's actually kind of yes. like sad to me that Eleanor was stuck in Australia. So, you know what, what I thought was interesting was like, why didn't Chidi just say I've been fired and I need to leave Australia? Yeah. Because those things are both true. He's been fired, which means he doesn't have a work visa anymore. I'm certain he's not a citizen of Australia at this point, right? Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, I have been fired, and I am going to need to leave Australia within the next week. And it's been great, but 
I know you have your own career and I have no intention of making you choose between your career and like leaving and coming with me to like Senegal or wherever he's going. So yeah. like, it's been real and goodbye. Like, that- yeah, I mean, and you can genuinely say like, I don't know where I'm going, so I can't even ask you to come with like, yes. Yeah. That, I mean, I was just like, how, how did we all miss this possibility? He's been fired. It's the easiest way to break up with somebody ever. Yeah, basically. And, you know, the other way they could have played it is for her to break up with him and say, like, I saw that, you know, I heard about the chili episode. Or, like, she could have been in the classroom instead of, you know, I know. Yeah, I think that would have made her come off a little heartless since he was obviously having some problems. Yeah, that's true. If she was just like, well, you seem to have had a break with reality and I'm breaking up with you. But she was like, at the end of this, what I didn't like was that she's like, man, you're so weird. Maybe this is for the best. I'm like, I don't know that she would say that. Well, she's she's just hurt. hurt. You know, I'm not going to give much credence to anything she says in the heat of the moment like that. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I hope she comes back in some way, shape or form. Kate wanted Yeah, there was a great uh, interview with her in the AV club. Where they talked about, she said, she, you know, this is one of her favorite parts she's ever done. And, you know, she's done for now, but you never know with the good place you could come back. And um, the AV Club interviewer was like, you know, some people have a theory that you're not human because you're too perfect to be human. She's like, oh, my God, I want that on my tombstone. She's like, nobody ever said that about me. <laughs> but, but Simone is too perfect. Like, I'll take it. Like, I'll put, I'll put that on my gravestone. Like, she was too perfect to be real. That's amazing. You know, Kate was like, why can't she just be, like, a companion on their journeys? Like, the way Doctor, like Doctor Who. Who. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get why he wouldn't want to... Oh, absolutely not. Because there, there would have been no way to protect her from the guilty knowledge. And that's the last thing that he wants, is for her to have that knowledge. So, you know, I get that. But it's, it's a bummer to see her go, because I thought she added a lot of really interesting stuff to the group dynamic, too. Yeah, she did. And it's... <sighs> Like, she's able to call Eleanor out on her bullshit in a way that not a lot of other characters <laughs> What have. is happening? Yes. <laughs> but, like, in the last episode when she does that whole... Or was it the last episode or two, two episodes, episodes ago. ago? When she did that whole thing about how, like, the us versus them and I don't think you ever got past this point and, like, what's up with that and you need a therapist, basically. All true things. You know, I don't, for all of the the character development that we've had with Eleanor and Chidi as a bonded pair, they really haven't done a lot of that this season. No. So I think we probably could have heard that from Chidi in a lesson last season or in the first season or whatever. But like this season, it's been Simone being like, hey, you know, this is how you should this is how you're acting and like here's here's the theory behind it and like maybe you should check yourself i i would argue ultimately you know i'm sad to see simone go she's a wonderful character that actress is a wonderful actress she was just a delight to have on screen every moment she was on screen but i would argue that the chidi eleanor relationship is the central relationship of the show and whether it's romantic or not it just is the central relationship of the show yeah and so having Simone there really kind of, you know, sort of interposes a person between them that I think ultimately the show can't afford to have that happen. Yeah. So they kind of had to get rid of her. I'm glad they didn't kill her off. I'm glad it was ultimately sort of just like a quasi amicable breakup. We may see her again. 
it feels a little wasteful for her to have been in what the first four episodes of the season or whatever and then to kind of disappear yeah just like it's sort of weird to have trevor appear in the first couple and then disappear yeah i agree a lot of and then larry where's a lot of disappearances (laughs) we're you know uh the the first season of the west wing had a character named mandy Mandy. that everybody hated So uh, they just disappeared her. And I feel like the show is mandying a lot of people this season. Going to Mandy land, as they say. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if things kind of snap into focus next episode with sort of the core cast. We've been whittled down to to the cockroaches, the soul squad, what have you. Yeah. And now that... Now that we've sort of sloughed off all of the secondary characters, are we going to really pick up like a head of steam? You know, that's possible. I will note that um, we only have... Is this coming episode the last episode of the... Sweet Jesus, year. please let that not be true. I can't... <laughs> I think it might be. Hold on oh a second. Oh my God. <laughs> no, okay. No, we're good. We have episodes scheduled till November 15th, I believe. So next week, next week is called A Fractured Inheritance, which seems like it's a reference to Camilla. Maybe it's in fact the title of one of her art pieces. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> and it's like some like image of Tahani staring into a broken mirror that <laughs> Camilla that's, painted. That's like even too literal. Of, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, that's right. It's the conception of... What, the persistence of, con- of conception. The persistence of conception. So it's just like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's a, it's an art, that's my call. It's an art piece by Camilla. I, I, that, sounds, that sounds good to me. And it was written by Kasha Miller, who I don't know who that is. But you know what's interesting is that we've had a couple of female directors this season, which is actually, female directors are pretty rare, unfortunately, in Hollywood. Yeah. I think more they're more popular in tv i think than they are in film mm, yeah so it looks like with uh next week's next week's episode is going to be the third to be this season to be directed by a woman it's also written by a woman Woo-hoo. then the week after that november 8th which is after the midterm elections um all y'all better be voting okay we vote. will come and find you if you don't vote you will go to the bad place yes, that should 100%. be the only thing <laughs> if you vote you get into the good place that's my new rule <laughs> so right november 8th the episode is titled the worst possible use of free will interesting and that's another episode directed by a woman and it's written by Cord Jefferson which is a name he's, that I know so he's the guy who wrote the joke that was we crumb from a land down under that was a Cord Jefferson joke oh and Megan Amram wants to kill him yes he's the right. guy that Megan Amram wants to kill so, <laughs> so that's we know okay, he's funny <laughs> yeah and then the it looks like the last episode for 2018 will be November 15th 2018 and it's called don't let the good life pass you by Oof. That seems... Yes. That seems significant. (laughs) Yeah. It's not good. (laughs) Anything else to say? I... I I think one of the things I am missing in these last couple episodes is, like, a real focus on Michael and Janet. You know, that Mm -hmm. we're not getting... We don't really know, like, what... It's nice that they are going along with Eleanor's plan to, like, individually (laughs) save souls in the least efficient means possible. (laughs) But 
what are they actually thinking? What are their actual plans? What, are are they going to stay on Earth until all the humans die? Are they going to try to get this manifesto out there? Like, I really need to know what's going on with them other than just sort of playing backup for the humans because they obviously know so much more than the humans do and I kind of want to know what's going through their heads right now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. One, like, last little tidbit that I found interesting, I, I saw an interview with Jamila Jamil where she said that the cast had to sign a seven-year deal up front without knowing anything about the show. Oh, interesting. She said uh, the lines were fake. This was, she's talking about the audition. The lines were fake and we were signing on to a seven-year deal completely in the dark, but Mike is a genius, so people just went with it. I so, so I, I hate to least, be... You know, seven, who knows? I hate to be a fatalist, but if you look at the show's ratings, they, they are only declining. Uh, unfortunately, mm. for and I and I am certainly not an analyst who can tell you why that would be. But you know their highest ratings were in season one, and they have sort of declined very slowly since then. So, assuming that that trend continues, the the notion that they are going to get seven seasons of this, I think, is just foolish. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting to think about like if this were to go for seven seasons, like. <laughs> I think that would be too much, right? I mean, most shows cannot stay good for that long. Yeah. It is the rare show that you're like, oh, we're seven seasons in and it's just as great as it was. I mean, like Law and Order is one thing, right? That's um, basically every episode is self-contained. Yeah, yeah. But like the X-Files, like season seven was really when things started to go downhill. (laughs) Uh, West Wing got bad around season four. Five, yeah. Four, five, yeah. Even my beloved Psych had a really rough seventh season. It, it, season eight got better, but season seven was really rough. I'm trying to think of other shows that were that long running. I don't know, but... Season nine of How I Met Your Mother was like... <laughs> it's just not... It's just... I think most shows have about f- five good seasons in them. And, yeah. and after that, you know... You're you're really you're on a, like a wing and a prayer at that point. Unless you're like NCIS. Well, that's why it's very different when it's a procedural. Yeah. And you just get to invent a new plot every week that doesn't have to have any connection to anything, right? You don't need an actual thrust of a season. Right. It's not like that kind of storytelling. It's just right. like But I'm talking about like traditional narrative shows, even ones that have monster of the week versus versus myth arc like the X-Files. Like, th- those kind of shows, you can't really... Community d- didn't do well after, you know, season three or so, season four, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, I-, I would say, I hope The Good Place doesn't go for seven seasons. Sorry. I hope that they do, like, four excellent seasons and then say, we have said the thing that we wanted to say. And then move on, yeah. Yeah, and then I cannot wait for William Jackson Harper to appear in Black, Black Panther 2. Two. We are starting or- this rumor on this show. <laughs> Or, he can do, you know, he can do an accent. He's he could be a Wakandan. I I am fully in favor of this. Or he could be, or, or give him his own TV show or something. I yeah. just need my I need my husband Chidi to appear in front of me every week somehow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll just get you a, a statue, a bronzed statue of his abs, and put it yes, in your just, house. <laughs> just just in the corner. My husband's like. What, do we have to? Yes. <laughs> yes, we yes, do. I'm we like installing to. it for you. I'm like, yes, we do. We need this. <laughs> uh, well, until next week, I suppose 
persistently conceive things? Ooh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> or use protection, either one. <laughs> Just putting our foot and mouth all episode. That's what this is. Um, we will see you next time, Ding Tong. <laughs> Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. 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 Fifty Cent says he bought two hundred front row tickets to a Jaw Rule concert just so they'd be empty. <laughs> okay, that's what you would do if you knew that you were. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not oh, Jaw Rule, but somebody else. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs>